You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Tony Groves. Hey, good evening. Bobby Jonas. Hey, Dennis. And special guest, Tony Rochette. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? Hey. All right, well, Tony Rochette, I hope I said your name right. The last name, is that right? Yeah, you're actually probably Rochette. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to know you. Thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, Now, you've been part of Team Tifosi here for a little while, so uh, that's why you're on today. And so thank you for joining us. It's been fun racing with you so far. Uh, let's get to learn you uh, a little bit about you. Talk about what brought you to iRacing and how did you first hear about iRacing? Um, pretty much just been a, a casual uh, console, console racer. Um, started getting into different racing games. Um, I started hearing NASCAR drivers talking about iRacing and stuff like that, so I just ended up trying it out. Right. Yeah, I think that's how I initially heard about it was through uh, Dale Jr. watching NASCAR. Uh, so how often uh, do you race and what series are you normally running? Uh, I do about four or five times a week. Um, I actually just started the NIS Fix Series this year, um, but I mainly run the ABC Fix, um, some IndyCar, and occasional K&N. Oval guy, huh? Yeah, not very good at, at road. All right. Uh, looking at your stats, uh, you've been with us since 2015 at, in iRacing. And your overall win percentage, 0.7%, uh, with three wins overall. Yep, just got two IndyCar wins and one uh, C-fixed win. All right, well, we're going to change that. We're going to get you another one here soon, now that you're part of Team Tifosi for sure. Uh, what about leagues? Have you done leagues? Are you in a league? Uh, nope, no leagues. Okay, okay. Hosted, uh, was this the Oval, A, B, and C, huh? Official? Yep. All right. Let's talk about, uh, hardware, software. Like, what do you have for pedals, wheels? How many monitors? Do you have one, triples? You know, do you have, what kind of third-party software, you know, besides TeamSpeak? Uh, I run with a G29 with the three pedals and the H pattern shifter. Um, currently, two monitors right now. Um, as soon as I upgrade my graphics card, I'll have three. Um, and I run just pretty much the Z1 dash. All right. Z1 dashboard is awesome. I also use that. And um, so double monitors. Um, there is a way to stretch iRacing across two monitors. I don't know if you've thought about doing that. Yeah, I've heard that on the podcast before. Uh, I just mainly just use one for the drive and the other one for my for my uh, Z1. Right. All right, and so you recently got a deal on your triples. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, I was just actually about to go into um, an NIS fixed uh, Saturday afternoon at noon, and I seen on Facebook somebody had a tree, three uh, 22-inch Dell monitors for 10 bucks, so I couldn't pass day deal up. Ten bucks each? Oh my gosh. Nope, ten dollars for all three. 
Oh wow, ten dollars total. That's crazy. And so, and then you realize you don't have the well. You did, first you realize you didn't have the right cabling, right? And then you realize you don't have the right card. Yep, uh, I guess I got the only. Uh, well, there's three types of uh, GT uh, 730s, and one of them doesn't run triples. Okay, so you did the research and figured it out. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll save up and get you something. Uh, yeah, triples is pretty awesome. Twenty two is pretty small, but you could make that work if you get them positioned correctly. Remember, you got to get your eyeball into the middle of that. So they got to be up pretty high, you know. Uh, let's talk about what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far. Oh, I want to say my first win about two years ago. I was running IndyCar in Indianapolis, um, just part of the 12-week season. I ended up winning that on fuel mileage. Um, I think about 10 laps to go, the first place car ended up running out, and I just coasted to the win. All right. And you're from uh, Michigan. We were talking about that earlier. And uh, a bunch of our team is from Canada. So I guess they feel, feel like kindred spirits up there. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining the team. Uh, we appreciate that, Tony. Let's start talking about results next. Uh, we got the NASCAR iRacing Series. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the week for Kentucky. Uh, last week, uh, after the recording, we ran Thursday fixed, uh, Chris, you and I ran and, uh, your thought was another two hour long caution fest P 15. Yeah, it was kind of the same for most of the Kentucky races last week. There was a lot of wrecks, a lot of cautions for the most part. Wasn't a lot of clean racing. You've got to get it into a better split, man. Yeah. Getting there. Yep. Yeah, you are pretty good weeks, but. Yeah, still got to survive. And even even up front sometimes. Obviously, it's a little bit safer up there, but um, it's been been rough. But, yeah, the last couple of weeks have been better. Dodged a lot of the stuff. Yeah, so I ran. I already had an eighth and a second for the week already. So um, ended up wrecked out with a blown motor on lap 100. I actually spun off twice on my own. Uh, was near the back. Had just gotten waved and got caught up in a big one and with nowhere to go. And so that's where, um, you know, P27 is what I ended up with. Uh, Friday open. Uh, Chris, you got a top 10 P9. Yeah, I got caught up in a wreck early in that one and went a few laps down. And that one was actually pretty clean. Um, and it took most of the race to get the, the laps back and ended up with eight to go. Finally, was on the lead lap and starting last car on lead lap 17th and got around a couple of guys and then there was a pretty big wreck with a couple laps to go and ended up ninth all right and then tony rochette you joined us for your first ever open race in nis uh running the team set uh but you got a p25 yeah um i think about 33 laps in uh, there was a caution um leader already passed us and i went to slow down and ended up sliding right into the leader um luckily the leader ended up winning that race huh well 
You know, it's a it's a different race. It's not like a uh, a open and a fixed because there's so many more cars. I mean, you got thirty six to you know thirty seven cars sometimes, and it's a kind of a longer race. So, uh, tell us, uh, Tony, about your Saturday morning race. Uh, much better result. You got a P eleven, but boy, four laps down with P eleven. Yeah, I was pretty much running uh, top ten most of the race. Um... Ended up hitting the wall coming out of two um, on the outside wall and bouncing into the inside wall. Um, I ended up getting stuck. I couldn't move or anything, so I pretty much had to tow it. Um, so two minutes for tow, and I had about two minutes of optional repair, so that ended up putting me down four laps. Wow. But still P11. That must have been a total crap fest out there. That means there's like 20-some cars wrecked off, right? Um, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Alright, and then Sunday open, early in the morning, Chris, you ran, and that's uh, probably your best result, P4. Yeah, that was a, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because people are tired of wrecking all week, but that Sunday open and the, the early morning one's usually pretty clean, and that one was too. And there's only three splits, I was dead last in the second split, and the 31 car and finish fourth is a good race yeah good run all right and then sunday night fixed uh i ran with greg uh hectus i got p20 i actually got caught up in two cautions that really were none of my doing it was just one of those things with nowhere to go you know it's just bad luck of it happening right in front of me you know kind of thing uh greg he uh finished p4 actually nice run for him started p12 uh, making his one start of the week, uh, he ran up front all race and had a restart with five to go. Started P7 there, dove to the bottom on turn one and two and came off the corner with the caution coming out by passing three guys there to get it up to fourth. So, yeah, pressure's on when you only have one start of the week, guys. So let's talk a, a moment about why Greg had uh, only his one start of the week. He actually... Uh, some real life racing here. Uh, he finished third in the 72nd annual Ontario Truck Driving Championship in the double trailers category. Uh, the event consisted of a written knowledge based uh, test, an inspection of a truck and a trailer with a DOT official to find planted defects and the obstacle course to test the driving skills. And so uh, we're real proud of Greg finishing third. A double trailers. What what does that guy mean, guys? That's two trailers uh, linked together. They're they're typically uh, about twenty feet long. So holy cow! Sounds like a nightmare. How you like to back that up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you, you don't. <laughs> you don't. It's like well, when you pull into a place, you got to make sure you have an out, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much. Uh, just the general practice towing a trailer anytime always make sure you got some kind of out so you don't have to you don't get pigeonholed but uh no good uh, good for greg third place in this thing um actually i didn't even know that this this type of thing existed until this year um but uh you know there'll be some pretty stiff competition i know once i started researching a lot of people uh join this and and take this quite seriously now, you're yeah, in the shoot. business, right, Tony? So, I mean, what does this mean to finish third in this thing? 
Well, I mean, it, it, it looks good on you. It looks really, really good on your on your company. Um, on your resume. Yeah, well, yeah, and that as well, right? So, um, you know, if, if you're out shopping around for a new job, maybe that's worth an extra couple of bucks, right? But, uh, uh, yeah, it definitely looks good. And, <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, you guys all got the same problem down here, but um, we, we could sure use more, uh, you know, safe drivers, um, both in the in the big rigs and, and in the four-wheelers. Yep. Well, good job, Greg. I wish he was here tonight. I think he's won this event previous year, if not years. But yeah. I can't remember for sure. Oh. Yeah, good job. Yeah, good reason to miss uh, the weekend racing uh, to go get that done. So let's jump on to uh, New Hampshire. Uh, Wednesday fixed. I got a P13. I actually ran uh, around 10th most of the day. Um, stayed out on a late caution. Ended up losing five spots. Now, I've done this a couple times now, and it it just hasn't worked out for me. Uh, like, it, you sometimes see it works out for people. But in my case, I don't know. It might have worked out. But anyway, I uh, ended up P13, so. You only got to get it right once. Yeah. All right, and then Wednesday open. Uh, I ran a P12 in top split, which I was very happy with. So I actually got caught up in a couple of uh, cautions, but um, I, I managed to escape without much damage at all. And uh, But there were lots of cautions. I mean, the whole event and even the other event was like every 20 laps, there was a caution pretty much. Um, and then, Tony, uh, you ran with us as well, and, and you, you were saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you, you were top split, I was bottom split, um, and, I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> had, had, had one fellow said, I sure hope you're going to talk about this split on Thursday, well, here it is, I mean, it was a complete shit show, um, probably one of the worst races that I've, I, I've been in, um, you know, we had, uh, 18 cautions, and it totaled over, 70 caution laps um the last time i looked at it it was we were at like 73 and I, I didn't look at it for the rest of the race but um it, it was just terrible i mean we i don't know if we 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 got more than a, a 10 lap run uh so basically you're just you know you're just running qualifying times um trying to trying to stay up there and and trying to grab whatever you can um you know it, it really sucked because you know, I really do like this track. I, I have a lot of fun here and I feel that I'm, you know, uh, a lot more competitive than I am at, at most tracks, especially the, the smaller ones. Um, this one here, I mean, I was running top 10 most of the race and um, I, thankfully a lot of the wrecks were happening behind me. Um, I had to dodge a few and uh, right, right near the end, I think we had about 15 laps to go. I, there, there's one there's just not a darn thing that i could do i just got caught in it sucked um knocked me down a little bit um i was driving around i could barely even see over my hood it was so crumpled up but i was able to scavenge a p13 out of it yeah yeah caution fast for sure that's that's uh what happened with wednesday for sure uh moving on to uh thursday which is a couple hours ago we had a whole group uh, in, in there running with us, uh, so I'll talk about my run. P12, I was also top split again, 
P12, man. I love that. That's a great finish. Uh, got caught up a couple times. Uh, there, again, lots of cautions there, too. Uh, but real happy with the result considering who I was running against. Uh, those guys, I was telling everybody on the team, the, these fast guys that are in the five, six, seven thousand I rating, they can dive bomb and they drive it into the corner at New Hampshire three car lengths deeper than I can. Like three, and I'm not exaggerating, okay? And somehow hold their line and don't rack. And I just, I can't imagine me doing that. I, I feel like I'm getting there, getting in as deep as I possibly can. And I even have my hydraulic pedal and I'm, I'm right on the edge of, you know, chattering the brakes. And it, I just can't believe it, how fast these guys are. Crazy. Uh, Alien-like speed at New Hampshire, but... Uh, so, anyway... Uh, I got a P8 uh, in this last rate, this last race in the in the top split. So um, I stayed out with like, I mean, we had a caution, and I think there was going to be a two or three lap run, and I thought for sure we would have people stay out, and nobody stayed out but me and one other guy. And so I restarted and uh, went straight to the wall. It wouldn't turn. I didn't wreck, but uh, faded back to eighth before uh, the caution did come out. Uh, let's talk about Greg's race. He ran with us. Uh, Greg Hectus got a P25. Started 14th, had a good race, but net code blew up motor when the wall grabbed him. Uh, so that's interesting. He was running P8 at the time. And then Tony uh, Rochette, you had a pretty bad race, P35. Yeah, again, I ended up coming out of turn two. There was a caution. There was a car stopped right in the middle of the track, and I didn't see him. I ended up running right into him and ended up having to go to pit road and some required repair and blew up with the engine on purpose and let my required time go by, but for some reason it would never let, not let me out. You couldn't leave the pit? Nope. Huh. Like the car wouldn't start, or yeah, cars stayed off, and it just wouldn't let me go. Wow, right, that's weird. Did you your starter and ignition mount to a button. Yep, I tried that. Um, I tried getting out of the room and going back in, and that didn't work. Or and just I just sat there and watched Craig and Chris. Wow. Oh. All right, and then Chris, uh, you got a P fifteen. Yeah, uh, started fourth actually. Um, slid through my pit stall on one of the first stops and slid back to like eighth. And then it got rained into, kind of knocked back a little bit farther. And then it was just hard to pass there. Well, you could get around a few cars, but <clears throat> too, all, more often than not, there was a couple guys side by side and you were just kind of stuck behind them. But yeah, ended up 15th, surviving most of the, the carnage. The car was beat all to hell, but the motor was good at least. Yeah. And, and New Hampshire, man, I feel like I'm running qualifying laps every lap. I, I'm just, I am just up on that wheel to get anything and everything I can get. And I, that's just to keep what I can keep. And, I, yeah, I'm not fast there by any means. But uh, happy with the racing so far the last couple of days. I've been pleased with New Hampshire. So uh, let's talk about next week. Uh, we're, we're going into Pocono. Uh, round two, what do you guys think? 
I'm kind of looking forward to it. I was pretty terrible there the first time, but I've had a, I have a, a different set of pedals this time and should have a little bit easier time braking. Yeah, and, and shifting is my thing. I always forget about it. I forget to think that maybe I should be shifting, and I don't. And So that's what throws me off. Yeah, Pocono is another track that yeah, I really like it. I'm not all that competitive there, but I really enjoy racing it. I've, I find it a real fun track to drive around. There's some room to move around, though, too. And I think that helps. Yeah, I love Pocono. Um, led a few laps there earlier this year, ended up 12th. And... Nice. Yeah, cautions are pretty painful there, though. All right, let's uh, jump into Road to Pro. I had a strange uh, Tuesday off work, which is very unusual for me. Um, so I was able to run Road to Pro, and Chris was like, come on, you got to run it. And You ended up missing the race, Chris, uh, but I did buy the track. I did some practice. I probably ran 50 laps before the race uh, to, to learn the track and the truck and whatnot. Uh, thanks to Will Gibson, uh, he actually got me up to speed with just a few words of advice. Uh, the main thing he said that really got me on track was you need to be full throttle down the straights and half throttle in the corners, and you're never lower than half throttle. And once I learned that, I was able to make laps without wrecking. And, uh, but uh, it was fun. I had a lot of fun at Eldora. Now, what happened was as soon as the race started, guess what? I had the same blinking problem that I had at Daytona. And that I had uh, earlier in the year at Talladega, where, you know, every other car was blinking and jumping up in the air and whatnot. It was horrible, okay? I mean, it was unraceable. I went around. I was kind of waiting for a caution so I could fix it because we. I was thinking, okay, I'll go in and change the max car count down to 20. It'll fix it. Eventually, there was no caution, so I just pulled over. I towed in. I escaped out. I changed the max car count to 20. Boom, I'm back in. Guess what? I'm still on lap number one. They had already gone 12 laps. I had driven 12 laps. It didn't count me at all. And so I'm 12 laps down. And once I you know, made the change in the settings, everything is fixed. No blinking at all. Everything's perfectly normal the rest of the race. And so I did report this in the forums on the same post I did previously with the Daytona problem. I hope iRacing sees it. Uh, my guess is the trucks are bottoming out there at Eldora. Yeah, plus you got the dirt particles too, and that's probably having the same effect as the bottoming out Daytona and Talladega for you. Yeah, it was a small track with a ton of cars on it, and yeah, I think you're having the same data bottleneck that you're having at you know Daytona. Yep, and then as, as soon as the Road to Pro is over and I'm going to New Hampshire, I put it right back to 64 on the max car count, and it's perfect. Everything's fine. Kind of sucks, though, because you would have thought that you would have seen it in practice, because I know maybe everybody wasn't quite as close, but there was a lot. It was there was, it was a full practice, and you know, pretty much everybody was on the track. It was a pretty busy track. Yeah. There was zero issues in practice. I don't know. It was 15 or 20 maybe on the practice on track. And then we jumped at, what was it, 35 or 36 during the race. I don't know. It's right. It's somewhere between there. It's, it's uh, breaking it. So I did get a replay this time. I actually got a video of what it looked like from my point of view. I put that up on Facebook. Check it out at Tifosi Racing, guys, if you want to look. It's crazy. Uh, 
moving on, other official uh, racing. Uh, Chris, tell us, you've been running Daytona this week, but it's the old K&N car, and you got yourself a win. Yeah, I think it was Tony that spotted that the K&N cars were at Daytona this week, so I ran a few of those, and yeah, one of those, two, a couple of them got wrecked, and then and this one won, and yeah, only by uh, a few feet coming out of the, the you know, out of turn four, so yeah, it was pretty awesome. All right, and then let's talk uh, league. The league stuff, uh, you guys got involved in a league, uh, you and Phil, actually, Phil Linden. And uh, tell us about that. It was Street Stock and Mazda MX-5 at Summit Point. That's kind of an interesting uh, combination. Yeah, and I let <laughs> Phil want to run the Street Stocks. I think more for the challenge of it. And they were a lot of fun. And I let him talk me into it. I probably should have ran a Miata. And that thing was a handful. And I thought, I knew I was going to be a little slow. I thought maybe I was a sec, couple seconds off the pace. But we get in that race. I mean, those guys were quick. I was more like four seconds off the pace. It was terrible. I was just trying to stay out of the way. Um, Phil was definitely a lot more competitive. But, and those guys definitely brought it. I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was. Yeah, that's the Reddit iRacing League. And then next week, uh, Charlotte Trucks. So maybe you guys will have a better showing. Yeah, I better. Yeah, if I don't have a, if I don't have a good showing there at Charlotte the Trucks, I don't have any business racing with those guys. But, yeah, I think we'll be good there. All right, let's jump into topics. Uh, Tony Groves, you're next. You're first. Yeah, and here I am uh, not even prepared for this. It's the... Uh... Uh, I race world championship grand prix um no let's skip that they didn't even run so uh gonna, let's go into topics they even run i was gonna just no. do a quick run jump into the topics well all right that's a lot more interesting anyway charlotte roval news um they had a nascar had another test lot on tuesday um at the roval got some updates from uh i racing steve myers tweeted to matt de benedetto after he wasn't able to um, to do any testing, stating, I think by the end of August um, at, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this name, Len Lenarelli, um, we'll have done enough work on the Roval that will allow you unlimited laps up here in our driving lab for the price of a plane ticket. Um, Kevin then replied, well, I guess I better get to work. Thanks for putting a deadline on getting the Roval done. Um, so, uh, are we going to see that soon or I, I sure hope so. I wouldn't mind being able to get a little practice time in there before we go racing. Well, when is the actual race? I know it's the, in the playoffs, the third one in the playoffs of the 10. When, when is that? Is that October? I, I would have to think it would be. Yeah. October. So I hope it gets it done in time, but if he says that he's going to have a working version at the end of August, I think their quarterly releases in September, so that would be when it would naturally be released is during the quarterly release. September yes. 30th is the day of the race. Yeah, it'll yeah. be out before then. Barely. Well, it'll be like two weeks. Getting the practice in. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have about two weeks to get ready. Well, and if it goes anything like what it's going for the guys in real life, that might not be enough time because it seems like everybody and their brother is wrecking in practice there. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, William Byron, he had a brake failure, and he stuffed his car in the wall really bad. Uh, oh, but there were terrible. several others who spun off and stuff. You got to feel for him because that's a long trip before he, you know, he actually makes contact. He's waiting for it. Yeah. I know Bowman and Blaney both wrecked. I'm sure there was more. I know there was more. I just can't remember them all. Baba. My head. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it just seemed like everybody went out of the track. Boyer put out a Boyer put out a nice video of him actually doing a clean lap out there. Um, I wonder what the rest of the laps look like. That one was nice. <laughs> what are the impressions watching it? I I, I feel slow. It felt very slow. Crawling around in second gear most of the time, you know. It's gonna be a long race, that's for sure. Yeah, it seemed awfully technical for a cup car. You're right, slow, sharp. For a playoff race. Oh, it's going to be weird. Oh, coming soon, guys. All right. Uh, <laughs> I got the next one. We'll talk. Uh, iRacing 24 hours of Spa is this weekend. Team Tafosi is not participating at Spa, but there are going to be uh, this Saturday two time, slot, two time slots. Uh, one GMT and 13 GMT. Uh, cars, Audi, BMW, Ford, Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari. And uh, if you want it, get it, guys. Uh, we're skipping this one. I think we're, we're going to run Le Mans, but that's probably it. All right, Chris, you got the next one, McLaren. Yeah, so it looks like they're um, launching the next phase of their uh, pioneering eSports program. And... Don't think uh, this is actually going to be on iRacing, um, but you know, I know there's plenty of sim racers out there that race console. And uh, to enter this one, it looks like the Global Online Qualification Heat kicks off August 2018 and runs throughout the summer. This will take place on a number of games, including Forza Motorsport on Xbox, Real Racing 3 on mobile, and uh, oh, there we, we do get iRacing and R-Factor 2. Um, qualification is open to anyone over the age of 18. Um, finals will take place in January 2019 with the eventual winner joining Van Buren as McLaren's second esports champion. So um, pretty cool. And I think as part of this contest, don't you also get to drive uh, a real car? Or is that not part of this one? Well, I don't even know, but uh, boy, what a opportunity, you know, to be a part of the McLaren team. That's really, I think, what it goes down to. So, yeah, this yeah, is this uh, the start of it. So, I find that kind of odd that, um, <clears throat> you know, heats like uh, Real Racing Three on your mobile. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, it's obvious for the um, for the consoles and PC, but how would how would mobile racing translate to to real type racing yeah well, I have to go back to that that seemed like a stretch well apparently uh last time there was a guy who made it pretty far uh, and he was a mobile only guy and uh but it's possible i guess that's why it's there well it feels like they need to pick one type of sim to stick with and use that going forward so there's some continuity and lap times and technique I agree. I, I it's kind of you know they're spreading across all these different games, you know. And when you bring these people together, is it really fair, you know, when you're only testing on one of the platforms and not all of them? 
Yeah, somebody's going to have a huge advantage. I would think the PC Sim Racer guys, I would think that's what they would have, like, their championships or whatever on. I would hope it would be a console game. Yeah, I think one of our teammates said he actually was thinking about uh, just uh, trying to do this. Like, uh, run the races and get in the F1 car and actually do it. Um, I think the tracks were four, you know, legendary F1 tracks. I don't remember which ones, but... I bet it'd be a fun series, and I'm sure the participation would be up. All right, well, get it, guys. If you're into that F1 stuff, I, I don't know that I can do it. So uh, I got next one. I listened to Nate Ryan uh, podcast. He's a NASCAR writer, um, and he uh, puts out a weekly podcast. And uh, this week he had one with Rob Kaufman, who's the part-time owner of Chip Ganassi Racing and also head of the RTA uh, Race Team Alliance uh, with the NASCAR owners. And anyway, he, uh, it's a long, you know, podcast about him specifically and his history in the sport and whatnot and, and what he does and that kind of thing. He does talk about esports uh, during the podcast um, at length and, and a little bit about how the RTA is wanting to be involved in, in uh, esports and NASCAR and the teams, you know, get a sim racer hired on teams and that kind of thing. Uh, but it is nothing new. There was nothing new there that we haven't heard before. Uh, I was hoping there would be some tidbit of progress. It didn't sound like there was any progress over where it's been in the past. So nothing new. Starting to sound like both sides want the other party to run with it. I don't know. It, it seems like it's at a stalemate right now. All right, what's next? All right, we got uh, a new shirt from uh, Direct Driver Apparel. Um, it's a Brett Moffat shirt uh, showing off the iRacing uh, paint scheme he was running at the Eldora race. Um, they got uh, two different colors to choose from, a blue and a black. And it's like on their uh, on their Twitter, they also got a uh, nice little iRacing uh, trucker's ball cap. Um yeah, I like the hat. Yeah, I'll be picking up one of the hats. Probably a shirt, too. I mean, the shirt is nice, too. I love the blue, and it's got the red, white, and blue colors on it. and Yeah. Oh, yeah, both, I mean, are are, are quite decently uh, arranged. Arranged, yeah. They, they look good. <laughs> I don't think we've had a hat as good as this hat yet, right? I I got to agree with that. I mean... Um, yeah, it's usually they're kind of just plain and like, oh, I don't know if I'd really want to wear this, but, uh, th this one actually, yeah, it looks good. It looks decent. It, uh, it's like a regular racing hat, you know, that you would it, get it from a race a team. team. Right. Yeah. It's something uh, you'd want to wear in public. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I do like that. Uh, nice hat. Okay. Chris, what's next? Uh, next, uh, this week there was an issue with Easy Anti-Cheat that was causing a sim to ride an iRacing Sim 64DX11 log, making the sim shutter real bad, especially in VR, according to Sean Nash. The issue uh, should have been resolved midday on the 16th. It says to please check your iRacing folder and feel free to delete those files if you want to save space. And if you notice the sim 
shuttering in practice or a race, check your files and feel free to post them in the forum to help iRacing solve the issue. Um, we actually had a teammate that got hit with this. Mike Morley got just completely booted out of a race. Um, got hit with this issue uh, the day before they fixed it, I believe. I haven't seen or heard of anybody uh, getting hit with it since they said it was fixed. Yeah, and so the problem is, is, is when the sim writes the log, that's when it crashes. It's in the process of writing that file to the iRacing folder. And so if you look in your iRacing folder, you'll see iRacing sim 64dx11.log. And I actually just looked in mine. I have a few of them, and a couple of them are actually recent, too. But I didn't actually have any crashes like uh, Mike Morley had, though. But supposedly fixed. Um, so, yeah, EAC cheat thing. Yeah, a lot of people uh, affected by that. All right, I got the next one. A super late model update. Uh, iRacing uh, team member Alexander Horn confirmed that there's another patch. Uh, that if there's another patch before the next build, they will include some super late model changes. To fix issues with the car after the complete rebuild at the start of the season. And so apparently a lot of people are not liking the super late model right now. And uh, they got changes but they're just not released yet. And so if there is another hot build uh, they'll put it out. If not it'll be in the next one. So I don't run the car so I don't really know what's going on with that. Alright Tony what's next? Uh, 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 Dale Jr. was a little busy on, on Twitter. Um, Aaron Olinger, uh, tweeted, uh, Dale said, uh, wow, didn't realize you had so much to do with the iRacing's beginnings. Thanks to you and everyone that made sim racing possible. And, uh, Jr. tweeted back to him and said, you have no idea. Help them create several relationships and scan many vehicles. The iRacing street stock is our car. Late model stock. Also, all the original Chevy, Xfinity, and Cup cars were scanned at my shop. Provided lots of the early data data on chassis, aero, and motor. Um, I, I read that. I was like, man, I didn't know that. How cool is that? The You know, the street stock you start out in is... One of, one, of, one of Junior's cars. Yeah, I, I follow this stuff very closely, and this is the first I've ever heard of this. I had no idea that he was involved in getting them data, and that's a, but that's exactly what he said here. Yeah, and I couldn't yeah. find the tweet, but this came from an earlier tweet. I think um, Steve Myers was, I think it was, if I remember right, Steve Myers had tweeted reminiscent about... 10 years ago, being on a plane, uh, plane and, you know, the, going to a, a meeting with NASCAR that was set up by Dale Jr. and uh, his sister and Junior Motorsports. So, yeah, there's a few tweets. I think it all started when he started tweeting Steve Myers. So, apparently, he's still keeping up on iRacing fairly well. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Steve Myers posted um, that he and John Henry which is an inst you know the owner of Roush Fenway by the way right now but anyway John Henry and him were going to meet Dale Jr and Kelly Earnhardt at the Earnhardt Jr shop to meet with NASCAR for the first time 
And uh, that was what the tweet was about that you mentioned, Chris. Uh, yeah, good good call there. Yeah, I couldn't quite remember it, but yeah, I hope hopefully once his new um, job settles in and the new baby settles in, maybe he'll be on racing some. I'm sure that'd bring a ton of people to the sim. Right. Well, pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's jump into hardware software. Chris, you're up first. Uh, so next we have uh, the Sim Experience GS5G, and I couldn't find a price on this thing, or I wanted to see a video of it actually working, um, but this thing just looks ridiculous. Uh, the article says, uh, the Sim Experience GS5 is the second generation GC produced by Sim Experience, powered by strong industrial grade motors. Uh, the GS5 is a successor to the um, classifying GS4. Actually, in the paragraph I was looking for, um, the one with, was, uh, oh, here we go. It's, uh, they claim it's just like a real race car. Feel all the simulated twists, turns, bumps, accelerations, and insane braking forces. Real drivers experience as you pilot a race car around a track at Toronto's Exhibition Place. That's kind of, that's uh, some big claims. <laughs> the seat looks cool. That's some big claims. Okay, so for our audio listeners, I'm going to try to describe what Chris is saying. It's a seat, okay, a, like a, a race seat that you're sitting in, and it's got hydraulic metal flaps that are against your thighs and against your back. And these metal flaps are hydraulic. Like I said, they move, and they push against your body. And so they push against your ass and your back of your leg. When you go over a bump, it's going to push up against you. Or if you hit the rumble strips or you take a sharp corner, the one in your behind your back is going to push you forward. And it kind of simulates G-forces, kind of. It, it gives a feeling of it, okay? It's not real G-forces, obviously, but that initial reaction of it is what you get. And so that's what this seat is. That's what you're describing. Yeah, it sounds really cool. In theory, it'd be awesome to be able to actually check out. It just seems like it wouldn't be able to react fast enough for, for racing, but, you know, apparently it does. There's videos. So I posted a video in the team chat about this where it shows the the metal flaps on the seat moving as the guy's driving the car. And it's uncanny how it, it works. It really looks like it's pretty cool. And Bobby, you I think you were drooling over this, weren't you? Uh, it was Joe. Um, it, it was, was Joe. I think the Stage Force chassis itself, too, to go with it. Right. And so that's what they had at Toronto during the IndyCar race was the Stage 4 chassis, uh, which is their Sim Experience motion chassis. That's the one that has, like, the shock absorbers that attach to the back corners of the seat and kind of move the seat about. Um, it's got traction loss where the seat will go kind of to the left or right as well. And so it's a real sim motion sim. And so that same company is the one putting out this seat called the GS five. Yeah. I would like to get the traction loss for my 20 chassis. I think that'd be kind of a nice addition for uh, dirt racing. It's crazy. Now, the seat, we've talked about it in the podcast in the past. It used to be known as the GS3, and I think it was a, a private individual who created it. And uh, it was available for around $5,000 by, by memory back when they were selling it. And 
and there were a few out there that people were kind of selling and buying. They didn't make very many of them. And then this company, I think, bought rights to it. They created a GS4, and now they have the brand-new GS5. And so it's the the latest, greatest, newest version of the seat. There's no pricing at all, guys. But I would guess, based on history, we're looking at least five grand. But that's just the seat, nothing else. I would probably say it's a pretty good ballpark. Yeah. And Bobby, do you remember what the the Sim Four? We we were talking about pricing. I mean, you remember what it was? User uh, entered your channel. No, it was north of, uh, I think it was what a little over three thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that is uh, quite a simulator, though, for sure. All right, I'll pick up the next one here. Uh, we had a big announcement from Fanatec. Uh, the long-awaited announcement about their new Podium Series direct drive wheels. And so they did an announcement. Um, apparently, the announcement was almost a story in itself. It was basically a live video uh, stream of some engineer with uh this other girl known as sim racing girl who's kind of popular in europe and apparently it was a pretty bad podcast there wasn't a lot of good information there wasn't uh you know I, I apparently i didn't watch it so i don't know exactly but apparently a lot of people were complaining about it but uh anyway with that being said, we got a new direct drive wheel, and uh, the price, wow, I was kind of shocked by the price, $1,499.95, so it's 1500 bucks. okay, and that does not include a wheel, the actual wheel, that's just the base. Yeah, I was actually surprised too, I really thought this would come in under $1,000 for the base. Yeah, because you got to add a rim to it, you know, and so you're at fifteen hundred without shipping. Now you got to add a rim. You're easily at two grand, you know, out the door if yeah, you want this. Hundred dollars. You got to buy that too. Yeah, it's a, there's a five year warranty if I recall correctly, but it's like an extra three hundred dollars tacked onto the price. And so yeah. it's it says open for pre orders. Availability date December. 7th of 2018 that announcement video was terrible i watched like the probably about the first 20 minutes of it and i was waiting for him to get to the price it felt like hours it might not even been 20 minutes but i just had to turn it off it was so so bad but now this is for the second base there's actually two bases and the first one is going to auction but they never said what the price would be you know following that first batch that's going to auction what the price would be that's where i'm curious yeah, right. They talked. They had one price, and they talked about two bases. One oh, that came with a warning and a kill switch that would <laughs> that would rip off limbs. It was that powerful. So what's this auction nonsense? I mean, it goes to the highest bidder. I mean, are they selling these to the public or not? It sounds like there's a cheaper base, and that is getting auctioned off. Um, the first batch. I didn't watch the video. I was just, I was at work and. It sounds like the first batch is going for auction, and the second batch will be pre-orders. So I don't know if they've already got a batch that they're ready to sell, or what's the story on that? Yeah. Now, teammate Greg Hectus, uh, who is a Fanatec fanboy, uh, 
and he had to miss the podcast today. He did write his notes about what he thought about this. Uh, so I'm going to read those real quick. Uh, uh, Greg says, I've been in contact with Dom from Fanatec over the last couple of days, back and forth uh, about some new products. Uh, Fanatec has took some slack over their li- live stream and how it wasn't very good. I did watch the stream and thought the same thing, and the problem with it was it took away from their product announcement. I believe Fanatec has a good direct drive wheel, but it wasn't shown like it should have been. It appears to me that there was another announcement from Fanatec in the next 24 hours or so explaining what happened in the stream and what they're doing about it going forward. I am still in talks with Fanatec employees to eventually have one of them on the podcast to go over their products. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll get somebody on here to talk about it. But uh... Yeah, I'm with Greg. I mean, all my stuff is pretty much Fanatec. And I've had some stuff fail, and I've done as the engineers have asked. I've never once had a problem getting something warranted or having them take care of it through software updates or you know anything like that with drivers. They've been pretty good. I just, I would really like to know what the DD1 base is, you know, price-wise. Now, if you want to find out, you might be able to find it in the forums, but man, there's a 25-page post about this. 25 pages, guys. I can't even read that much. Uh, and uh, ever, right after the announcement, Thomas Jackmeyer, too, who is a iRacer from Germany, uh, posted up in the forums. I believe he is actually the guy who was in the video. Yeah, Um, yeah, and so he works for the company, and uh, he's obviously familiar with the product, and he has done a great service to the community by posting and answering everybody's questions in this thread about the product. And uh, I read through, I don't know, maybe eight or nine of these pages where he answered question after question after question, talking about uh, and defending the price. Okay, he was he had to defend the price. and uh, I am going to read a quote from him about that. Uh, let me read this. He says, quote, this will be the fair market price. And if people think that whatever we deliver is worth more or less than the, competi- the competition, it will be priced accordingly. We will deliver a wheel with some of the best specs on the market. Some key specs like latency, uh, torque, ripple, acceleration, or speed matchup with the very best direct drives out there and there are some unique features. And don't forget that the biggest product palette of affordable high-end steering wheels to go with it, and this range will be expanded as well. And so those are some of the reasons uh, he was talking about why it's priced where it is. Well, and see, that might be the case. I mean, this thing might be worth the money and the best direct drive wheel there's ever going to be, but that announcement was so bad, that's not the... <laughs> you know that's not the feeling you would get coming away from it. If you're asking somebody to spend fifteen hundred bucks on their product, you you gotta have a better announcement. Um, especially when you know the true fanboys have been like chomping the bit for probably a year and a half over this. They've been talking about this thing. I don't think they're really that far out of line though with everybody else's. Yeah, like I said, I think it, it could be. Really and and the way he had talked about some of the features, it sounds like a cool base, but yeah, they just did such a terrible job of actually showing it off and really talking about it, you know, in a way that we people could understand. But um, yeah, hopefully they come out with something a little bit better. Yeah, put some flash to it or whatever. We need to hire some marketing people. Cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, the guy seemed really excited, knowledgeable about what he was showing, but 
you know, he was just trying to work off of like a piece of paper. You know, he didn't have, they didn't have, it wasn't a very professionally done um, announcement. Yeah, and we're beating up on him pretty bad because of the video, but I, I want to say he made up for it in the forums. He really did. I mean, he he's in there answering questions, and uh, he speaks, I mean, he writes for fairly good English considering he's from Germany. So yeah, and in, in the announcement, they had him do the announcement. Like I said, he seemed really excited about it and really knowledgeable. He just wasn't the person they should have been doing an announcement video, or at least not the primary person. You know, they should have had a PR person that was handling all the, the speaking and showing it off, and he could answer questions. Not have him be the main guy. You know, he obviously has another job that he's good at. <laughs> Let him do that one. All right. I don't know. I mean, how much better is it than the AccuForce 2, which is really was well, he, probably he the highest-priced <laughs> one. Bef well, you got the OSW ones, you know, where the open sim project. Those are probably the most expensive. And then you have the AccuForce. Well, the Bodners are the most expensive. They're, oh, they're the Leo Bodner, plus. yeah. That's what I said. I mean, it's, it looks like a more all-in-one solution, so it might not be comparable price-wise. It may not be that bad. The other thing that Thomas Jackermeyer was mentioning in some of these posts was this product is not only for the sim racing world, but uh, he indicated he had manufacturers that were trying to buy it for their sims um, and that kind of thing. Like they had a, a business that was outside of what we do in, as far as sim racing, uh, that they were selling these in other markets somehow. About to find that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he said about that. It sounded like it was manuf car manufacturers were interested in buying these wheels for some reason. Okay, let's move on. Chris, what's next? Uh, next, we have uh, the Amazon Prime Day deal, but this is already over, right? I don't know. I had to check and make sure. I know Amazon Prime yes. Day is already over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, we missed it, but we should mention yeah. it. Yeah, so they had a um, Logitech G920 on Prime Day for 250 bucks, which actually, I mean, I've seen them have. Um, well, it's 250 deals. now. It was 200 before. I oh, was it down to 200. It was yeah, uh, 250 you... for us Canucks. Oh, wow, but yeah, if you um, just a word of advice, if you're in the market for a wheel. Um, Get on Amazon and just uh, add a few of them to your wish list, and they'll let you know when these things go on sale. Because I have seen them have some pretty good deals on here. I mean, not oh, definitely aside from Prime Day, but they're kind of random, few and far in between, and usually fairly short. So it's, it's if you're in the market, it might be worth like tagging them, you know? Yeah, and I saw some other deals people were posting on Facebook. It was uh, the 1080 Ti uh, graphics card. I think you could get for fifty dollars off it wasn't a great deal but they're getting there though the, the cards are starting to come down a little bit but yeah that's the best way to catch that stuff because otherwise you end up hearing about it on a podcast too late <laughs> you can find some pretty pretty decent deals on amazon okay we're going to skip the next topic because it looks like their website is down uh so tony you got the next one affordable motion yeah, yeah, affordable motion, and uh, this comes from uh, uh, the 
track racer guys we were just talking about their um their rig setup and that that was the one um you know if, if you remember that had just so much adjustability um actually i think we were just talking about nice stationary rig yeah yeah the stationary rig but everything on it you can adjust absolutely everything the angle of the seat the height um the angle uh, for your wheel and um yeah real we nice all, seat yeah we were all kind of drooling over this thing um just because of well geez it just looks sturdy as hell and you got all the options with it being able to move it around however you like well these guys are uh working on a motion base um that's it's it's not here yet they're they're hoping uh to get it out this year but uh and <laughs> kind of excited to see how what what they come up with um with, with what they got for their stationary rig um i mean these guys might have some really neat things up their sleeve yeah and what they posted is a video showing four it, it looks like d boxes kind of to me i don't think they're d boxes but they're d box like which is basically a, a a post that's moving up and down based on how the guy is driving on the sim and so what you do is you put that on all four corners of the rig, and boom, you got motion. Yeah, it looks like they built them out of 8020, which has actually got me excited because it'd be easy to mount to my chassis. That would be a good way to go. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, like they're on their on their Facebook page, they they show like a the the prototype, uh, I don't know, part of the framing, I guess, um, and then they also have like a CAD type uh, picture uh, showing you know, giving you an idea of what it's going to look like um, when they're all finished up. And it looks like it just bolts right underneath their stationary frame. So, um, I mean, that that's a heck of an add-on, you know what I mean? You don't have to go and buy a whole new one. You just add it on to the, to the rig you already have, and you're rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it seems to be with all their stuff. Like, if you want the, their next thing or this thing, this thing, you just, it's all just so easy to add on. It's a smart way to go for people who can do it a little bit of time. Yeah, and and good price from what I've seen so far out of them. Yeah, I'm very impressed by Track Racer. Now they are Australian. Uh, if you look at their website, it's t r a k racer dot com dot a u. So, but uh, pretty cool looking stuff for sure. All right, let's get into final topic. I'll take that one. Uh, it has to do with uh, Eldora. Uh, the Eldora race was run yesterday, uh, last night. Uh, of course, Brett Moffat was running the iRacing colors out there in the truck. Um, there was an opportunity last week, um, or on Monday actually, to run with Brett Moffat. Uh, they posted it up on Twitter, trying to get people to uh, jump in a hosted race with him so he could get some practice. And so uh, a lot of people... Uh, Obviously filled that room up and was able to help uh, Brett get some practice. And then I found another Twitter post from uh, Jesse Pierce on Twitter. Uh, he said that his entire iRacing team actually met up uh, from SWA, uh, SWA Motorsports. They all traveled from around the country to meet up together for the first time in person at Eldora. And so they got their picture taken with Brett Moffat from the iRacing uh truck and so uh that's pretty cool to that they get, have the opportunity to do that pretty cool 
Oh, maybe we should meet up at Eldora or somewhere. Yeah, and uh, Moffat ran well. He finished fifth and had a nice, clean light racing truck at the end of the night last night. And I think that breaks the curse because it seems like anything they put eye racing on <laughs> ends up getting wrecked. But man, he took uh, that truck from a small team and I think he got about as, as much as he could have got out of it. Top five. Yeah. How cool is iRacing that, you know, a team actually decides, okay, we're all going to meet uh, at this date, at this place. We're all going to fly in and spend money and get a hotel and go see a race. That's pretty cool. All right, let's jump into uh, final thoughts. Uh, Bobby Jonas, what do you got? I'm going to get one start in New Hampshire this week, and I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. Hopefully it's a clean one. Uh, and then moving on and getting ready for Pocono, hopefully. that's uh, I like that place. I'm looking forward to going back there. Pocono, no. All right. Uh, Chris Scales, final thoughts. Yeah, open for some cleaner uh, New Hampshire races this weekend and definitely be racing some more of those Canaan cars at Daytona. So probably either come out with a nice high rating increase or decrease uh, this weekend, depending on how things go. All right. Very good. Tony Groves, final thoughts. Well, I've done my uh, my only start, and that was that open race last night. Um, another uh, another real busy weekend for me. I'm going to uh, indulge a little bit in, a, in another hobby that I have. I'm going to go drive four hours uh, to go shoot some friends playing a playing a big game of airsoft. So, kind of looking forward to that. Um, but I won't be back in time to to race anything on Sunday. So, I will be. Uh, putting some laps in at Pocono and getting ready for that next week. Um, I'm kind of excited about that. This will be the third time that I've been there now. So hopefully I've got some things figured out and I can be, uh, be a little competitive there. All right. Paintballing, get it done. Yeah. That does sound like fun. All right. Then special guest, Tony Rochette. Uh, thanks for joining us, joining the team. What are your final thoughts? I can't hear you. All right, we lost Tony. That's okay. Uh, well, we do appreciate you coming. All right, and hey, John Hammer, I see you snuck in here. Are you here? You got a final thought? I am here. What's your final thought tonight? I'm back from vacation. All right. Are you uh, excited to build setups for the community again? I, I think we still need your help, probably. Yep. I'm working on Pocono as I as I'm listening to the podcast here. Well, welcome back. Well, welcome back. Uh, I think you missed what Daytona and Kentucky. Yeah, I did, and it was. I came back, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to wait a few days before I fire this thing up. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. Oh, we're glad to have you back too. So, all right. My final thoughts. Uh, Boy, you know, excited with New Hampshire. You know, I love my brakes, my hydraulic brakes, and I feel like they make a difference when I'm at New Hampshire because, boy, you got to get into that corner and brake and use that brake and not lock the wheels and and just get the most out of it. And I feel like, you know, I've had some pretty good runs there, but, boy, uh, it's also a humbling experience racing those uh, top split guys when uh, they just drive right by me, you know, like I'm not even there. And... Is it a lack of talent? Is it my equipment? 
you know, I'm probably going to say a lack of talent, but, uh, boy, I don't know, but, uh, it is fun to race in those top splits. Uh, you know what you got, you know, you know that it is a humbling experience, like I said, so. I was pretty cool while I was gone. I came back and listened to the podcast on when I got home and it was really awesome to hear how well everybody did at Daytona and at Chicago. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, Chris and I got some wins at Daytona, thank God, and uh, saved the season, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.